You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hello everybody, Luke Hector here for another podcast episode. Hopefully I'm not quite so squished on the camera this time. Uh, I literally put the frame of the camera on OBS, like literally as fits the frame as you see on screen. But that meant that I was a little bit squished, like, got like that. So I've elongated it this time, but kept myself in the center. So even though the browser overlaps it, it means that I'm not quite as squished on the camera and we'll see whether that's an improvement. But yeah, I need some more topics, I think, for the podcast, because I'm starting to run out. So if you are a Patreon of the channel, and if you're not, then please consider doing so, even just for a dollar a month, then expect a post at some point in the near future where I'm basically going to just ask you to brainstorm a ton of podcast ideas for topic discussions, uh, because I could do with a few extra things, particularly when we're in a dry state of the year where not a lot really happens in the board game industry, period. So, you know, that would be very much helpful. But yeah, this will be a bit more of a positive episode, actually, because, you know, I know that over the last few weeks, I've probably been a bit on the whiny side or a bit on the negative side, but things are on the mend, actually, because a lot of it is down to life in general has got a little bit better. I mean, work still sucks. That always sucks. But the idea is, is that since the 12th of April, we have got uh, a limited amount of freedom back um, in the UK and so uh, massage therapy and gyms have opened again as well as a few other bits that I don't get involved with as well as out and outdoor restaurants now I haven't gone to a restaurant yet outdoors because they're not taking bookings you have to just turn up and get on a wait list and I just can't be bothered to do that but we can meet a few people outdoors which is cool but for the most part, I get to go back to my massage therapist every couple of weeks, which is a really good stress reliever. And more importantly, I get to go back to the gym. So I have been at the gym doing exercise, doing like, you know, getting back on the weights, doing swimming as well. I've even gone out for a run a few more times because I've bought some new shoes and the sun has been like out perpetually lately. It's like really nice at the moment. We're kind of like in between 12 and 16 degrees Celsius and just bright sun. And that is perfect for me. That is like my ideal temperature range. Of course, that will all change as we start getting into the summer, as we start heading towards the 20s and beyond. And this house turns into a furnace because <laughs> a new build house retains its heat somewhat well. And there's not a lot I can do to curb that so that's going to be problematic but you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there but no because I'm able to do a lot more exercise generally my mood is uplifted uh there's just I, I need that exercise I need to have my body churning and feel relaxed get those endorphins going through my system and it's just made things a lot better lately so yeah a bit more on the positive end really especially as the channel has not I'm not saying like the channel's like seen a ton of like uplifts as well but the stuff I've been doing on the channel has been good fun Really good fun, actually. So looking at what there is, recently I've done a few more videos going down the lines of why certain things have left my collection and why I've bought certain games. 
They're nice quick videos to do, but they're cool ones because a lot of people are interested to know why you purchased the game out of your own money, as well as why you cull the game from your collection. That just seems to be the thing at the moment. But I've done a few of those, and there's even a couple on the way, uh, Winner's Circle and Kanban, the original Stronghold version, which are yet to air. They will air when I can because I'm trying to fit other stuff in. But uh, recently we've had uh, why I decided to buy Circadian's First Light. That's sitting down there waiting for me to actually play it. I uh, only got it recently though. Uh, we've done an Anachrony Fractures of Time Beyond the Base Game uh, video, which basically goes through the whole Fractures of Time expansion from the recent addition to my Anachrony game. And blimey, there was a lot to talk about on that one. I mean, that's a 25 minute video for an expansion. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in there. But on top of that, I had a bunch of stuff from Folded Space. Uh, so I've done um, a big video to go over a bunch of inserts for Folded Space because you've seen them in my reviews. They're all good stuff. I love their inserts. Cheap, cheerful, and they do a good job. I just wish I could. I wish they were self-assembly. They take a while to assemble when you've got a lot of them, but can't knock them. Yeah, they're really good. So by all means, check out that video if you want to find out more about those. And uh, anything else since the last podcast? Yes, live. My live collaborations have been great the last couple of weeks. I mean, the the Q&A that I had on the 10th was good fun. You know, chatting to you lot for two hours is always fun to do. I can't wait for the next one in May. But the two last collaborations I did was a top five games that needed a second play. I did this with the Nerd Shelves. And, oh, man, that was so much fun. So much fun fun doing that one i mean i love the i love them My, you know michael and judy from the nerd shelves are great they're a great couple their banter on screen is infectious you can tell that not only are they passionate about games but you can just tell that it's like you know it's they're a couple you can tell that there's the chemistry between them and when they're playing games on playthroughs this is something i don't see in a lot of playthrough channels you know that you know, I want to see that chemistry between the two people on screen. I want to hear the banter. I want to hear some jokes, a bit of, you know, uh, witty humor, some like on the fly commentary in that. And these two do a good job of it. But we did uh, games that needed a second play. And it was a great stream. I mean, it was hilarious. We were like cracking jokes. We were laughing. There were some interesting games on there because we're going from the perspective of kind of like a, a frequent gamer to a fairly frequent gamer to a fairly new gamer. And it meant that we had some interesting uh, insights to share on that one. So that was a really good fun stream. I definitely recommend you check that out. And as a result of the stream, we actually managed to push their subscriber count beyond a thousand subscribers. So, you know, they were on about 960 before the stream and then the morning after they were on a thousand. So I am thankful to everybody who watched that stream and decided to sign up as a subscriber to the Nerd Shelves. Believe me, it made their day as well as mine. And then last night, I did the Cinemeeple. Cinemeeple is a fellow Brit, fairly new to the scene, 350-odd uh, subscribers. I'd love to see him get a bit more, though, because his camera works very impressive when you look at his videos, and he puts a lot of hours into each one, despite the fact that, you know, he has a you know, as a child and a wife to look after and everything. So, you know, for someone who probably hasn't got a lot of time on his hands, he certainly manages to find it, which is pretty admirable. But we had a very good stream yesterday, uh, top 10 games I'd love to play, but never will, or likely never will. So this was quite cool. We got to talk about 20 different games, a lot of space games, I must admit, where we basically said, well, you know, we want to play these games, but because of like dodgy rules or maybe because they're convention games, big group games, maybe they're just too heavy, too expensive. 
Kickstarter exclusive, whatever. And we talked about why we're likely never to play them, but why we're interested in playing them. That was a very good stream as well. We got very involved with the live chat and we had some great laughs usually from each one of us doing a bit of a cock up at certain times you know where we said something that we might regret from a humorous perspective and it's like yep we went to town on each other for that so that was good fun but don't worry there is more stuff on the way i have uh, it's not on here yet i need to put it on the broadcast but next week i will be doing a top 10 list with alex from gem and biscuits another fellow new um brit uh, british uh, YouTube channel, a uh, very nice guy, and we're going to do top 10 games we're looking forward to playing after COVID. So when in the UK from the 17th of May, um, well, in my case, the 18th, that's when my cafe is opening again, but we get to go back and do indoor socializing so I can have people around my house, you know, legally, and, and we can go to, you know, the Dice Cafe and start playing games. And we're sort of going over 10 games that we want to get to the table fast. Like, what games on our shelf are we excited to play? Not saying that they will get played, you know, it depends. But we're certainly going to be like, please, 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 can we play this game? We really want to play it. So that should be a good, fun top 10 as well. And I'm still got to plan the future collaborations after that point. So I'll be getting in touch with a few creators to see if they're interested. And don't worry, you will see some repeats of ones that I've already had. It's not like I'm only doing a once over with each one. I just want to include as many different uh, creators that I support as possible. And, you know, obviously, if there are some ones that are popular on that, then we'll try and bring them back for a second go. I think, uh, you know, last one was, what was the first one? February the 6th with Board Gaming Ramblings. I think we need to do another stream at some point. Probably keep it to two hours rather than two and a half. But, you know, I think we're due another top 10 list. Maybe more of a friendly one where we're not quite insulting each other's games. <laughs> but that was good fun. I mean, people liked it. 6,000 plus views. You know, you liked it. I loved it. They loved it. But, yeah, I think we need to get on for another stream. I wonder what the topic would be, though. It would be pretty interesting. Other than that, I have, uh, let's say I have a review of A Gentle Rain going up very soon, if not tonight. Uh, I have a, a review, a Beyond the Base Game review of Branch and Claw from Spirit Island. That's going up soon. Um, I've got the comparison video between Dice Theme Park and Dice Hospital. That's over there in the corner of my table. That will be going up on the same day they launched their Kickstarter, which I think is tomorrow. So if it's still tomorrow, I will launch it at, on the evening of, well, afternoon, evening of that day so basically i'm holding it back until the kickstarter launches other than that i've just mainly got a bunch of games to play i mean i've got an, a copy of tarwin tinsuyu that i need to get played that finally arrived after two and a half months waiting for brexit to sort out the post uh there's a game called is it called uh uh dunaya do not d-u-n-a-i-n it's an obscure game from blam uh never heard of it before but it's a nice looking game looks pretty simple enough i've got to try that out I've got the two-player version of the networks that are called Rival Networks from uh, Formal Ferret Games to look at. And uh, what else? I swear I had another game in. Maybe I didn't. Maybe that was it. Yeah, maybe that was it for new games. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. But also, I know I've got incoming the Ticket to Ride uh, 15th Anniversary Ticket to Ride Europe set, uh, as Medea sending me that. But I can't release the review for that until mid-June when they're actually releasing the game and there's an embargo on it so i'll be getting it early and i'll be obviously preparing a review for it but you're gonna have to wait a while before i get to do that so yeah lots of cool stuff coming lots of cool stuff done it's been good fun on the channel and uh, people have been very kind with their responses especially with the collaborations they're always good fun and uh well i hope to keep it going 
And speaking of channels, why don't we look at a channel shout out and very quickly I just want to mention Shelf Clutter. I kind of owe him actually for, you know, for a while because Shelf Clutter along with Quackalope did a a sort of, um, what do you call it, uh, not give, well they did a giveaway but it was part of the giveaway was to basically go onto somebody's introduction video on another channel and go like hashtag treat your shelf and it essentially got like more subscribers to that channel it got awareness and uh, shelf clutter decided to use me as a guinea pig for that which i was very grateful for because it did boost my subscriber count quite nicely back i think last august when he did it and it was a cool idea and say more people got to see the channel and it's surprising how many people are on that thing doing treat yourself that have never heard of me before or actually no that's not surprising in the slightest but you know you know what i mean it's it's quite relieving when you see like there's so many people who just haven't heard of you and that's normal but it's nice to know that it's a case of they haven't heard of me now they want to check out my stuff as opposed to they've heard of me and they hate my guts you know i know which one i'd rather get but Shelf Clutter, uh, done by Mr. Adam Singer, Shelf Clutter Games, does videos primarily on Kickstarter. So people ask me to comment on Kickstarters, but Kickstarter is not really my scene of expertise. I, I back a few Kickstarters, but I'm very picky about which ones I back, and I don't keep up t tabs with them other than watching Dice Tower's crowdfunding episode. That's pretty much how I keep up with Kickstarter, because it's just not my scene. But, you know, there have been some ones like the Robinson Crusoe set I backed, Stellaris I backed, uh, but I don't think I've backed anything else. I, uh, oh no, Eternal Palace, I did back that one, uh, the one back in March. But Monster Hunter World, couldn't care. Mythic Battles Ragnarok, couldn't care. V Commandos, decided not to in the end. Uh, Everdell Complete Complexion, Complete Collection, wasn't interested in either. So there was basically a bunch of stuff that I just didn't really care about. So I figured, why don't I do a shout out to a channel that focuses primarily on it? And that is exactly what Adam does. So as you can see, bunch of videos here coming to Kickstarter, and he does one every week. Views kind of depend on what's really featuring, to be honest. I mean, if it's a popular week, like, say, Marvel X-Men United, that gets a lot of views, compared to something like maybe January the 25th, when I think all we had was Big Apple and uh, Mob, or whatever, well, something like that. You know, not a lot of interesting uh, games at the end of January, as you can see. So views kind of just vary on that front. But as you can see, does quite a lot, and it's definitely like his shtick. I like his thumbnails. They're very nice and bold, and you can sort of clearly tell it's him. Uh, but there are other stuff he does as well. So we've got some board game chats, what he backed personally on Kickstarter as opposed to just uh, what's coming on Kickstarter. Some unboxings, uh, a few deep dives, house rules and that. But for the most part, it's Kickstarter. So honestly, uh, 3,280 uh, subscribers. I recommend uh, giving him a look if you want to find out more about what's coming on Kickstarter and his opinions on that. You know, people have asked me about this and I figured, it, well, if I can't provide the service, I'll give you a channel who can. So Shelf Cutter, Adam Cena, give him a look. Hashtag support small creators. All right, news. There's not been a huge amount of news lately, actually. So I've only really got two articles for you. And there just really hasn't been a lot going on in the board game industry I would classify as interesting, really. But the two main ones that have caught my eye, not necessarily for good reasons, but, you know, first off, we have CGE is reprinting Galaxy Trucker in a brand new kind of more jolly format. Because let's face it, Galaxy Trucker, like the original version, Kind of looked a little bit serious from the cover. Well, not too serious, but, you know, it looks more like a serious game despite the font lettering. If you look at the new version, it looks blatantly like a cartoon silliness scene, and I think this would actually suit it better. 
Uh, Galaxy Trucker was a very successful game. Essentially, it was a, a timed game where you had to quickly, in real time, build your ship with lasers and shields and cabin crew and all that stuff. And then you went out on missions and you basically saw how your ship did as it basically got bombarded by meteorites, fell apart and all that stuff while you were trying to make the money. It's not my kind of game. You know, I'm not saying that I'm a big fan of this one. Uh, you know, I've played it. I like the whole uh, sailing around and missions and things blowing up, but I'm not a big fan of the real-time uh, putting the ship together thing because it was quite hard to tell what was what. And I don't know, I just didn't find it that interesting. So half the game I like and half the game I don't. And it also goes on for quite a long time, actually. This really should be something like a one-hour game tops, but it seems to go on beyond that easily. But as I say, there's a lot of Galaxy Trucker fans out there. So I will be interested to see what this new version does. I mean, uh, you know, it looks like it's going to be in a smaller box and selling for a cheaper price. So maybe that just means there might be less content to begin with and there'll be expansions. But if they could make it a bit easier to see the tiles, improve the graphic design, uh, improve the artwork and just make it a bit more cartoony, maybe even streamline it a little bit, then, you know, this could be good fun. So not coming out until quarter three, 2021. I suggest you look out for it and I'm sure middle of the year they will get back in touch with some more details all right get the drink in there okay now that one like i say i'm not a massive fan of the game but i thought i'd point it out because i know there are a few fans out there and then the second piece of news which turned out to be a bit of a letdown in the end was the seven wonders mystery this is when repost production put out a tweet a minimalistic tweet saying seven wonders mystery beginning on the april the 26th and everybody went mad to say that this was a new expansion for the game <gasps> another expansion ah oh, could it be legacy could it be a campaign could it be anything it's like oh god please don't do that ever like no campaign or legacy expansion for this and they kept it very secret however it turns out that that was basically the hype train, like crazy. Apparently, it has been confirmed that Seven Wonders Mystery is not an expansion for Antoine Boz's card drafting civilization game, but instead a series of puzzle-based challenges based on the Seven Wonders in the game where you can win prizes. whoop de do I could not care less about this. And certainly the comments coming back, uh, you know are certainly somewhat disappointed about this as well but honestly i have no interest in logging onto the website every day just to do random little puzzles uh you know to maybe get prizes you know this is not my thing but this really did not need a big teaser like this because you were just setting yourself up to disappoint a lot of people who thought this was going to be a brand new expansion you know i would thought it was going to be that and as much as i'm I'm kind of half disappointed that it's not another expansion, but then I'm also half relieved that it's not like a campaign or legacy expansion like I feared it was going to be. So yeah, if you want to try and win some prizes, look on it April the 26th. Free post production will be putting out tweets and posts on this front, but yeah, if you're into that kind of thing, then by all means do it. But yeah, turns out it was a bit of a red herring. You know, whether that's uh, horrible for you or not, I don't know. Okay. Right, on to the main event, and I'm not going to be talking too long for this, mainly because I need to get some dinner and that, but I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the bias that a lot of gamers have. So I see a lot of Facebook posts around where people ask like, oh, I need games for this particular audience. I need something new. I need something light. Uh, could you give me an example of a worker placement game that's not too heavy? And then I see the responses come back. And I have to roll my eyes 
on a regular basis because I see far too many gamers, far too many elitist type gamers come back with suggestions that I wouldn't even think of suggesting in like 10 years you know it's like seriously somebody asked you for a fairly light game like a medium weight game at most for worker placement and you decided anachrony was the best thing to suggest it's like no and they and then you'll you'll question them on it and they'll come back and say well it is a medium weight game isn't it it's like no it's not have you seen the box behind me have you seen this giant anachrony box behind me you're telling me that's a medium weight game when it comes in a box that's size no i mean okay box size doesn't necessarily mean the weight of the game not at least not from a, a theoretical sense as opposed to a literal sense but honestly anachrony has got a lot of rules in it it's complex the rule book is pretty lengthy there's modules for it even the base set alone is a heavy game and there just seems to be a bias where gamers particularly those who play for ages or those who are used to doing these really heavy kind of big euro games think that Twilight Imperium 4 is the equivalent of a kid's game. And that just kind of gets on my nerves a bit now because it's it's misleading people. We should be telling them the truth about what games are light, medium, and heavy. But I do know that that is subjective. You know, people are going to have different opinions about what light, medium, and heavy, but there has to be some kind of obvious boundaries here. Now, at the moment, we just have simply light, medium, and heavy. I personally believe we should have light, medium, heavy, and super heavy. I think there should be a fourth category for super heavy games because a heavy game I would consider something like Agricola. So, you know, the big farming game from uh, Uwe Rosenberg. It's got quite a lot of rules going on to it. It's pretty punishing if you get anything wrong. It's usually a good two hours plus game. It's weight 3.64 out of five. So that usually entitles it to be quite a heavy game. There's a lot going on in Agricola, whether you like it or not. And the same would go for Caverna. Caverna, which I prefer and is on my shelf as opposed to Agricola, is still, you know, a heavy game. Nobody should be calling these two medium weight games. But the thing is, is that I would consider them to be heavy. But now let's think of a game that's probably super heavy. And as much as I hate to talk about uh, this piece of trash, you know, I got to at least use it to illustrate a point. Food Chain Magnate which I hate this game, but 4.20 out of 5. This is definitely what I would consider to be a super heavy game. It's not a case of whether there's a million rules in the game. Just because a game has like 100 million rules doesn't necessarily make it super heavy, but it's also down to the thought process with it because I'm not saying that this is like a luck fest or anything like that. No, there's strategy in this game. It is a super heavy strategy game. I just hate every aspect of it, but... This is one of those games which goes on for nigh on four hours. I mean, 120 minutes? Who are you kidding? We're talking three to four hours all the time when you play this game. But if you make a bad move in the first round, you are done. Like the first couple of turns, you make mistakes and you're basically done for the rest of the game. And for some bizarre reason, a lot of the fans of this game consider that to be a good thing. I honestly do not understand how being eliminated, pseudo elimination from a four hour game is considered fun. But to each their own, I guess. And seriously, I, I know they're going for this 50 style, but man, this is look bland. But yeah, get back on topic, Luke. Uh, the idea is that this one I would consider to be super heavy. 
Like, even for a heavy gamer, I'd have to warn them, look, I know you like these heavy games, but you had choices in there, you were not as restricted in some of these. This sort of game, you need to know that you could mess up, and you probably will in your first few games, mess up early, and you're done. Like, good luck, you're going to have to suffer for the rest of the game. And so, stuff like this that really requires a hefty amount of long-term forward planning certainly has to be considered super heavy. And I'm thinking games like Age of Steam, 18xx games definitely would be super heavy. A lot of stuff by Splotter, I would say, is super heavy. You know, there's definitely examples of where... Okay, I mean, there's not going to be a huge amount of games in that category, but certainly there are some which I think go even beyond heavy games. Now, in terms of medium weight games, I see a lot... This is where we get the most contention. Uh, where people are instantly saying, oh, this is a medium weight game, it's not heavy. It's like, uh, no, it's a medium weight game. But then there's also the other side of it where people say, oh, this is a light game. No, it's medium weight. There's plenty of options, plenty of choices, and plenty to think about. Uh, one popular game that always gets this kind of contention is Architects of the West Kingdom. I love this game, 10 out of 10. People will consider this to be a light game. I don't agree. 2.77 out of 5. Now, bear in mind, I don't really place much reliance on any rating on Board Game Geek, okay? You know, so wait, whatever. I don't really care. But I'm just using it as a kind of theoretical example here. But I would consider Architects to be medium weight, not light. You know, yes, the rules are very streamlined. That's just the mark of a great board game. You know, the fact that the rule set is streamlined. But you have got to consider a lot of different actions on the board, uh, which are... You know, some of which have more intricate rules with them, like the guardhouse, uh, the guild hall, and certainly the black market. Uh, you also have to consider the virtue track and being high and low. You've got the apprentices, all with different card abilities that you need to bear in mind. You've got the different paths to victory of the cathedral and the building cards, all of which have their own unique bonuses. There's the aspect of uh, capturing opponents' meeples and putting them in the guardhouse. There's more to this game than meets the eye, even though I wouldn't call it heavy at all, but light? No, if somebody says I need to do like my first worker placement game, I would not point to Architects of the West Kingdom at all. You know, yes, when I teach this game, I teach it with the Age of Artisans expansion in there, but that's because that expansion is so seamless with this game, it doesn't take it from medium to heavy, it's still medium, there's just a little bit more to it. You want, like, my first worker placement game, I mean, I would consider Lords of Waterdeep, as in base set only Lords of Waterdeep, because that one, when you add in Scoundrels of Skullport, there's a bit more to deal with. But this one, I would say, is a pretty good introductory level, you know, not super introductory level. I think you need to be a little bit cautious with it, but the actions are pretty straightforward. You basically go on a space and collect a few uh, colored meeples and then trade them into the quests. And there's a few buildings on top and some intrigue cards. Yes, like I say, not the easiest game in the world, but there's not a ton of going on in this game that would take it up to medium weight. But then let's consider something a bit more lightweight, like Stone Age. Stone Age, perfect example. Not my biggest favorite, six out of 10, I give it. But with this one, Stone Age is definitely a light worker placement game. I mean, what do you do in it? Not a lot, really. You basically roll dice uh, with color meeples to get the resources, and then you've got a couple of spaces to get some tools to mitigate the dice luck or get more workers. You've got to get food to feed your people on this very simplistic track. But for the most part, whether it's these cards down here or the rooms, all you're doing is basically getting the resources and trading them in for points. 
that's pretty much it all the rooms are the same thing it's like one needs two stone in the clay another one needs one gold in the clay one needs a you know two stone in the wood you know that's all that is and this bit with the cards is simply set collection for the most part and you just trade in different resources so the concepts are very straightforward in this and i would easily say that for a new person to work at placement games this is one to consider but this is light this is definitely not a medium game and Hopefully you're starting to get a kind of idea of where I'm going from in terms of this. So let's consider a few more heavy games, for example. Uh, let me think. Looking at my shelf, for example. Let's see. Uh, now with, with campaign narrative games, it's a bit more tricky. I mean, something like Arkham Horror, do you consider that to be medium or heavyweight? Personally, I would consider Arkham Horror and Eldritch Horror to be more on the heavier side of games purely because there's quite a lot you've got to keep track of. But really, when I'm talking about weight of games, I'm mainly talking about Euro games. You know, nobody's saying, oh, I need a story-driven game as my first game into whatever. You know, very rarely has that question come up. It's usually based on Euros. So, okay, let's see. Uh, Predaporter. Predaporter from uh, Portal Games, you know, one that I get behind. Definitely, I consider it to be a heavy game. The rules themselves aren't the most complex in the world, but there's still a fair few you've got to consider. But this requires you to be pretty frugal with your money to avoid getting into trouble. Not to mention you've got to deal with the ramifications of uh, going to the trade shows, each you know the fashion shows, and putting on you know putting your collections in there. So you've got to do a bit of forward planning. You've got to be prepared. You've got all the different cards that you can do. I'm trying to find some decent pictures for it. I don't know why we're looking at DIY craft here. Um, I don't need to know the manufacturing process. I don't know what this will do. So all these different employees you can get, all the different buildings, the different contracts, the different bonuses you get from the designs, the different fashion shows themselves. Like, you know, some of them want uh, big collections, some want trends, some want uh, person, you know, public relations, social media. There's a lot going on in this game. It is definitely what I consider to be a heavy game. And, you know, hopefully nobody's saying it's a medium weight. Uh, another heavy game, another heavy game. Heavy Euro, heavy Euro. Come on, give me a heavy Euro looking at my shelf now. Well, yeah, behind me, the Lacerda games. Every single Lacerda game has to be considered a heavy game. Do I consider them to be super heavy? Hmm, yeah, no. No, I would consider them to be heavy because even if you don't plan far ahead, you can kind of pull yourself back a little bit. Although the Lacerders definitely vary in terms of complexity, which make them harder than they should be. But then maybe they could be super heavy because, you know, their weights are in the 4.3, 4.5 plus. So it's possible that these could be considered super heavy going by what I've said before. I need to think hard about that one. But yeah, these are definitely not for the faint hearted. But some are better than others. I mean, Kanban EV, I think, with the new set, has got a pretty good rule set that's a bit easier to understand. The Gallerist is, I think, harder in terms of the weight category. Uh, let me check. That was 4.32 for Kanban. So Gallerist is 4.28. So it's on par with Kanban. But Gallerist is definitely, I think, easier to get into than all the other Lacerders by, well, excluding Escape Plan, because I don't like that one. but 
you know, it's not difficult to teach the gallerist. I think it's quite a simple one from a rules perspective, but then you have got the influencer getting bonus actions. You've got to obviously think what are the ramifications of getting the artists and your art and increasing their fame. It's a bit difficult to see the fruits of your labor until later, which is the mark of a heavyweight game. But then compare it with something like On Mars, which is fighting to stay in my collection at the moment, because On Mars, as good a fun game as it is, it might even drop to a seven soon from eight, is ridiculously complex. I mean, that is 4.64 out of 5. That is horrendously high on the weight rating. And, you know, yes, there's a lot of forward planning you've got to do in this game, and it's certainly a, a heavy game, but the complexity with the rules in this is insane. I mean, learning this from scratch is a chore, no matter how much of a good job Paul Grogan did with the rule set. There's just so much to do, so much to absorb, and it's not intuitive in the slightest. So... You know, this one is fighting to stay in the collection because I'm just like, man, this is a lot to take in. But could it be super heavy? Could it be heavy? I'd, I'd actually consider this one to be super heavy. Like, really, I'm saying, look, you may be into heavy games, but this is a different league of heavy, heavy games. Um, And just quickly before I wrap up this, I'm thinking light. So what other games do I know that have been mistaken for light that really aren't light? Uh... I mean, I suppose one, well, here's an example of one I would consider light. Automania. Automania, really cool, underrated game about making cars. And here you pretty much make a car every turn while trying to sell them to two specific markets, one for money, one for points. And you're trying to meet the demands of the public. So there's a little bit to consider, but this is not a heavy game, really. I mean, this is the demand market. It's literally, you know, three tiles per market that register two star, three star, four star. And it's pretty clear that if you've got a tile in your manufacturing plant that has that symbol on it, that's how many stars it generates. Nice and easy. With this, you're literally just putting a meeple on the side, choosing a tile in the grid, stick it in your thing, then pay the money, build a car, stick it on a ship, done, there's your turn. Yeah, rules are very nice and streamlined in this, but it's a good fun game, really underrated. This really needs more love. Maybe a third edition needs to come out, maybe with a different graphic design because people were put off by the cartooniness. But honestly, this is a pretty solid game and more people need to check it out. I mean, Dice Tower Seal of Excellence there. I wouldn't quite go that high, but I certainly give it an eight out of 10. But this is not a medium weight game. I mean, I reckon I could teach this to a bunch of people fairly new to this type of thing. Obviously, there's a difference between light and gateway. Yeah, I mean, just like there's heavy and super heavy, there's also light and gateway. But yeah, this one I would consider to be pretty light and not medium in the slightest. And is there one that I can think of that was on the Facebook groups that was considered medium or light when it clearly isn't? I mean, I already mentioned Architects on the West Kingdom. That was definitely medium, not light, as some people were saying. Uh, Wingspan's an interesting one. Wingspan, because... I would say that is a light game overall before you start throwing in a million birds. But one thing I will say is that I tried to teach this to my parents and it was a bit of a slog. You know, it is not a gateway game in the slightest. And I suppose actually this is where I find people are making mistakes. People suggest this is a gateway title. This is not a gateway title. Do not suggest this is a gateway game. Seriously, people do not do that. You know, because yes, the rules are simplistic. And certainly for someone like me who's played a lot of games, the rules are dead easy. But you have got 
a load of birds with unique special powers you've got the actions that have ramifications going forward and there's only so many ways to recover if you start off badly this is not something i would throw in front of a new gamer and i mean i dreaded throwing it in front of my parents and it just about worked but you know i was a little bit worried as i was doing so and it, i had to sit out the first game because i was just paranoid that they weren't going to get it and certainly they've got it and they do love the game but wow it was like each game i'm having to remind them of how rules work and what the bird abilities do i mean bless them i love my parents but they are in their early 70s so it's a little hard for them to understand a few of these games at a modern day but you know it worked they liked it but gateway level i'm sorry if i can't teach my parents the game i don't consider it gateway level ah sweet coffee so yeah i think i'm gonna wrap this up here actually it's a bit of a shorter uh, podcast episode uh, mainly just for time but uh, we'll see if i can make some longer ones in the future but i just kind of wanted just to briefly touch up on that really because you know we in the board gaming industry are well in the content creator we, we as gamers as consumers we as a subjective matter appreciate the weight of a game differently to other people but when you start seeing those facebook questions and twitter questions saying what do you recommend for this genre and this way and this type of gamer just take a step back take a step back when you think about the title you're suggesting and consider whether from your bear in mind you used to be a new gamer you used to be that person i used to be that person where it's like, wow, this is what games do? I mean, I jumped into Seven Wonders with an expansion as one of my first games at my board game club when I started getting into gaming. That's a light game, but I had an expansion on top, and I would never have thrown that into a new player situation. It's only because I had previous experience with some games in general that I was able to say, you know what, I'll go with it. I'll go with the flow. Plus, I'm able to stick to my one rule, which I keep saying to people when I teach games, pick a path, stick with it, don't deviate and see what happens. So many people want to try and do everything. It's like, no, don't do that in your first game. But I digress. So, yeah, it's... I'd just say take a step back. Think about what you're suggesting. Consider maybe that these people aren't going to be as mad on the games as you are. Or maybe not as au fait with games as you are. And you might need to consider that maybe the weight of the game is going to be harder for them to take than it is for you. You throw me into a heavy game and I'll absorb it pretty well. But I'm used to it. You know, somebody who's new to heavy games is going to have a bigger problem with it, especially if they've not tried the genre before. Like, oh, I need to suggest a light game for a first worker placement. Then don't suggest a medium weight worker placement game because they still need to learn the mechanic. It's going to be an alien concept to them. Just the fundamental basics of the game is going to be an alien concept to them. You know, we've seen worker placements done to death, but they haven't. So... Yeah, gotta just be a little bit more considerate, I think. And yes, there are exceptions to the rule where somebody goes, you know, so, well, you know, my friends are geniuses and they're electrical engineers and quantum physicists or they play Warhammer, therefore they're already c capable of, you know, a lot of rules. Yes, there'll be exceptions, but the exception doesn't disprove the rule. You know, look at it more from a general perspective. You know, the majority of people asking that kind of question are not going to fit into one of those categories. Now, if they say they do, then great. If somebody says, I'm used to this sort of stuff, I've already absorbed heavy stuff before, then you can suggest these heavier weight games to do so. But if they don't tell me that, I'm going to assume that I need to think a little bit more outside the box and a little bit further down the list. And certainly, you know, whenever I've done lists with low complexity, high depth and gateway games, this and that, that's the 
kind of reasoning I'm going with. So, as I say, I'll be interested here in the comments what you guys think on that. Have you had any... Uh, let me know in the comments if you've had any circumstances on Facebook or other social media where you've seen these questions asked and you've been bewildered at the choices that have been made. You know, I'd be interested to hear what like ludicrous suggestions have been made in terms of, oh, here's a light game. Yeah, this light game will totally see you through Feast of Odin. It's like, you know, these things do happen. I have seen some really stupid examples. So uh, yeah, that's it for me. I'm going to sign off now. Hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and hope you enjoyed the stuff I've done over the last two weeks and the stuff that I'm uh, going to be doing over the next two weeks. This was a bit more of a, I think, a more positive episode in general. And uh, as I say, things are on the mend. Life is improving, even if work barely improves. But yeah, that's work. Who enjoys going to work half the time when it's a professional role? But everything else is kind of on the mend. I'm in a decent mood. The sun is out. I've got exercise and slowly but surely we're getting back to some normality i should expect to get my vaccine in the next month uh once they finish doing the 40s bracket it will be my turn i'm eagerly waiting for that post to come through to say vaccine book it it's, i mean wishful thinking i might get it before the 18th of may but here's hoping never know we're on track so you know i'm gonna get it as soon as i get it but yeah we shall see Things are on the mend. Things are positive. So take care. I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple video or you'll hear me on the next podcast. Remember, as always, everybody, it's only a game. Take care and bye for now.